Hello and welcome to the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. This is your host, Sofia. I am not sure if anybody noticed, but there were no episodes published these past two weeks. And that is because I have been lying to myself thinking that I would be able to do a million things. But life has gotten pretty wild since I announced the Cheetos win. And for anybody who doesn't know, I will be receiving a grant from Cheetos to use a big portion of those funds to make an impact in the Latinx community. And of course, one of those things is everything that I'm doing with the Corporate Pro Latinos community and working together with the executive team to go through the whole nonprofit filing process. It is all so very exciting, but it is also a lot of work. Also, this is just me giving excuses, perdonenme, okay? But with that being said, I've decided to slow down on the cadence of the podcast episodes for my own sanity. There are so many other projects that I really have to prioritize right now, and I wouldn't want to publish episodes just to publish them. I love having the conversations, but the editing does take a long time. If you are someone who has ever had a podcast or tried it or, you know, has any experience with that, you know how time-consuming it can be. And I'm not really monetizing this platform. I do it for fun and exposure, so I want to be able to devote the right amount of time to each episode. So I will get rid of the seasons and just continue publishing episodes on a monthly basis for now. So like one to two episodes a month. I really hope that you all continue to tune in and keep following along my crazy journey as a creator and the Corporate Pro Latino's crazy journey as a community that has become such a huge part of my life. But now, moving on to what you're really here for, I recently had the pleasure of having a conversation with Fabio Peña. If you don't know who he is, he is someone who has had experience as a scholar, corporate professional, entrepreneur, and more recently as a content creator. O sea, este hombre lo hace todo. He does a great job at speaking up about certain issues that we as a Latinx community still struggle with, given many generational changes and the cultural clashes, as well as doing what I love to see, which is bringing his own sazón to his social media platforms by dancing and showing everyone his moves. And he's just doing a lot, okay? And if you're looking for mentorship or scholarship opportunities as a first-generation student or professional, he is most definitely someone you should be following, given he posts a lot of helpful resources and has a scholarship and everything um, that we will talk about so, yeah, me voy a callar y dejar que escuchen. I hope you all enjoy. This is Fabio. Hi, Fabio. Thank you so much for being on the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for reaching out and inviting me on. Yeah, of course. It was like... I was taking too long to have you on. <laughs> for those who don't already know you, I feel like a lot of people that follow me probably follow you too um so can you please just give us a quick intro on who you are yeah of course so my name is fabio peña um 28 years old mexican um born in mexico but raised in washington state 
I'm a first-generation college graduate. I went to the University of Washington um, in Seattle, uh, where I started like my career kind of like in finance and accounting. But these last couple of years, I've been tapping more into like my creative side, um, became a content creator, and I run the Panic Consulting um, Instagram community. Okay, so when you went to college, did you major in like accounting or finance? Uh, no, I didn't major specifically in finance or accounting, um, really because I wasn't accepted into my major. I applied <laughs> to the business school, but I didn't get in because of my, my grades, which was really a bummer. Uh, I think that was probably like one of the first meltdowns I had in college because I just didn't have a plan B. Right. Um, but one of the things they teach you like in business school uh, is how to network, right? And so uh, I did as much of that as I could in college and I was fortunate enough to have found an internship that way which kind of like allowed me to ha get my foot in the door and still kick kickstart my career in business yeah mm -hmm. because a lot of times you know like I I did get a degree in accounting so I know mm -hmm. how hard it can be to like break into that space also if you don't come from that like accounting or finance background I guess yeah definitely um Yeah, it, it's very interesting because a lot of my friends who did, um, you know, who were accepted into the business school and those who did major in accounting, a lot of them ended up just working for like the big four companies. That was really a big thing in Seattle. You think <laughs> a lot more people would want to work for Microsoft and Amazon because it's local. But um, no, it was the big four. And for some reason, like everything that I heard about those those jobs, it just I didn't want to <laughs> go down that road and work like 100 hours a week. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad that I didn't do that. No, I, I get you. I actually went that route because in New York, that's like a big thing too. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, I'm no longer in that. So I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, some people like it, right? I When I was an intern, I swore I like wanted to be partner at a big four. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. well, you, when you're an intern, it's like all fun and games, right? right. Once I started, I was like, um, I don't think so. Yeah, they, they they say it's not for everyone. I wasn't even in. Yeah. I was already talking like I was one of them. And I was like, yeah, it's not for me. And I was like, well, <laughs> at the time, I was like, oh, I wish that was me. But um, I'm glad it all worked out. Okay, so how many years were you like, you know, a full-time employee at a company and stuff until you sort of ventured out on your own? Um, I think it had been like about five or six years. Um, and really because one of those years I, I was laid off in December of one company that I worked for and that was in 2019. And then like a few months later, the COVID pandemic hit. And so I didn't find another job until the July after, which was my most, like the second to most recent role, I guess. But yeah five five or six years nice nice i only ask because like i know with everything that you have going on right now i think many of the things that you're doing now are so great but i do want to talk about that time before mm -hmm. and some of the experiences that have led you to where you are today and i know because i'm a chismosa and <laughs> every time every time like i hear something juicy i'm like i want to hear more So I know you briefly mentioned at some point, right, you used to work at a company, which you do not need to mention, mm -hmm. but where things just didn't sit right with you or some something happened and you actually 
you know, were brave enough to speak up about it, but you didn't really get the response that you had hoped for. Uh-huh. Can you share with us this experience in more detail? Yeah, for sure. So I, I know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so the last job that I had, it was uh, a manufacturing company here in, locally, um, completely mm-hmm. different industry than what I was used to. Um, I had been in a number of industries, but this one was just very different out of my comfort zone. But I started off as a financial analyst, which was initially like my, my dream role, like in college. And so um, I figured I'd apply to it and give it a shot. Um, you know, I went through the interview process. I got a, um, I got hired. I was super excited. And I was really proud of myself because I was like bringing in a lot of the things that I had um, taken out like from other jobs, like a lot of experience. And um, it was great because it led me to my promotion of becoming a financial controller just within a few months. Oh, wow. um, it sounds great and all, um, it, but really it was a lot more responsibility. Um, and I almost felt like I was taking on more than I could handle. Um, I feel like once you work um, for a certain size of company that's dealing with international business, there are like certain, um, certain rules, certain laws and regulations that need to be followed. Um, and when, you know, when not everyone is like on board, it, it can be kind of hard to like, you know, be in sync to, you know, to operate efficiently. Um, to work as a team, you know, and so um, it, it it was it was a struggle. But aside from that, there were a lot of just the uh, differences in a lot of ways that I had um, experienced with my coworkers. So, you know, political differences, cultural differences, um, and it it just really wasn't the best uh, work environment for me to 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 thrive in. Um, me being like a a proud Latino working in that role. Um, you know, I, I was coming into work with a lot of drive, right? I w- and had a lot of expectations of not only myself, but my coworkers. And when yeah. I felt like that wasn't being reciprocated. It just made the, the job harder than it should have been. And so um, it was starting to get to a point where, you know, you, 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 you start speaking up for yourself. You start speaking up for what you think is right. And uh, that can either go one of two ways. Like one that could be like helpful and, you know, you can you can grow from that. Or it could just like really crash and you can make no progress. And um, there were so many instances that I had in that previous job that um, honestly, there's just too many to count that I felt like things were just not just not fair. Um, I felt like I was being discriminated, especially from like other coworkers. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to deal with it anymore. And so I was starting to think, you know, that this if this is getting to a point where it's really affecting my personal life, then I definitely need to consider um, taking on a different job, you know, finding a new opportunity. And it got to that point. Um, I think it was like a little over a year. I just decided to basically give <laughs> my notice um, after a series of events. Again, sorry, this is like, it's still pretty fresh. So I, I, I still reflect on this experience and, you know, unpack a lot of my emotions. But for now, I'm just trying my best to give it the way it was. Um, right. Overall. Like, no, you're not you're No, no, not at all. Not anymore, at least. <laughs> um, it got to the point where, you know what? Like, I think it's just best that we part ways, that we just do our own thing. And um, I knew my worth. And I was like, why am I limiting myself to this job? Like, a lot of times we, f- we tell ourselves that, no, there's nothing else. We need to keep this job because we need to pay bills or pay our rent or mortgage. 
Right. And I carried that mentality for a super long time, but I was like, you know what? It's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth my mental health. The title, the perks, the money, I was like, it's not worth it. So that's when I decided to, to leave that job. Yeah, your whole story resonates with me, I guess, because I've been in positions where I'm like, uh, that doesn't feel like it's very fair or, you know, and yeah. a lot of a lot of companies, you know, leadership or management or whatever is like all about loyalty. Uh-huh. But it's like sometimes <laughs> it's it's like favoritism in a way, you know, exactly. Yeah, that, that was basically it. Um the loyalty just I feel like um, one of the things that definitely set set me apart um, from my coworkers was like obviously like the color of my skin I was like one of the only Mexicans there um, you know my, my background even like my okay. religion um, just so many things that like when you, you notice it when you talk to like certain managers or leaders um, you speak to them one way but then when you see them conversing with someone else like a completely total like total different way you know that something's up like is it me or is it them or like you, you start to read the room a little bit more and mm-hmm. you know you you become aware of these things after after time right yeah a lot of times it's not even like things they say it's just like you observing the way they might behave around you and the way they might behave with like your peers or something yeah so now fast forward <laughs> talk about what you're doing with Benya consulting and first hub um you're doing this full time right um yeah i guess so um so starting this community it kind of did overlap with the last job that i was in okay um, makes sense i, I think i yeah yeah because i started that job like midway through 2021 and then the community started like at the beginning of 2021 and so when i was laid off i was thinking of ways to find a steady and reliable source of income and not having to worry about getting laid off or anything in the future. And so that's when the idea of starting a a business um, started. It it took many different turns, different than what I had expected. Right. um, Because when I, when I started my actual Instagram page, it was really focused on just business consulting. And I, to me after eventually it, the content that I was sharing wasn't really um, stuff that I was like passionate about. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find, get creative enough to like share about that. And so I started getting a little bit more personal and started sharing stories about um, like my, my story as like a first gen going through college and navigating corporate America on my own, um, which then led to our, like our story series, first gen cuentos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that eventually led to the first step mentorship program that um, that you just mentioned. So that idea, it, it wasn't entirely me because we and when I went to school, um, my wife had actually co-founded an organization on campus that basically had the idea of First Hub. So um, the program was called Leaders del Futuro. Uh-huh. And they had paired um, like undergrad students, like with graduate students of like people like who are, you know, pursuing a specific study or something, you know, going after a certain profession. And so the idea kind of stemmed off of that. But when I was talking to my wife about it, we decided to make it like bigger than what it was, you know, instead of just being limited to one school, we wanted it to open up to everybody in the country. And so that's when it really kicked off because I don't think there was anything else that existed like that. Um, and so we, we, 
one of the concerns that I had was like finding mentors because I didn't know how many people out there were already like settled into their professions. But to our surprise, um, there was so much interest, um, yourself included. <laughs> thank you um, yeah. <laughs> for expressing interest in that. But a lot of people wanted to give back. You know, they wanted to be a mentor because, you know, people knew that how hard it is to go about the first gen, first gen journey on your own. And so um, it just started spreading like wildfire last year uh, to the point where we hit like a hundred different colleges and universities um, having a presence in so many schools and um, that eventually led to a new idea which I'm currently still in the works of um, which is like building our like our mobile app that way it's not just um, the the matching for of mentees and mentors isn't just being done like uh, manually um, but I can find a way to automate that entire process no I get that I feel mm-hmm. like automation is our best friend right yeah <laughs> it's exhausting like trying to manage everything mm-hmm. the the thing is that um what if if we're able to find ways to like automate uh, the process then of course then we can we can expand at a faster rate and that's one of the things that's been holding us back um and on top of that of course uh, we also recently launched the the lalu scholarship cycle again yes and, i love um, that yes and that has taken up some time um recently just because we had like a huge number of applications come in um you know we're in the reviewing process the scholarship committee um was going to be reviewing anything and announcing the winner on november 8th the national first gen college day so can you just explain briefly what la luz scholarship is like the meaning be- behind it how you came up with the name, who it's open to. Yeah. So the Lalu Scholarship, we started that last year um, and we, we had awarded the first scholarship on like the first day of the year because we thought it'd be cool to, you know, celebrate like the anniversary of the, the, the business being founded, mm-hmm. um, like as a legit like LLC. Um, we started the scholarship that's open to any first gen, regardless of immigration status. And my wife and I had, had actually talked about this like earlier on, um, like after college, how we wanted to give back to the community. And really it was her idea because she was the one who had the idea of creating a scholarship and like a name that was very like close to our hearts and giving back to the community. And, you know, we had we had the business, you know, we had the the platform to announce that. So we, we, we took off with that. Um, the Lalu's part of it, of course, it means the light, you know, to light the path to success for any first gen. But the Lalu's meaning, uh, the name actually stems from uh, my wife's rancho in Mexico. <laughs> the small town in Michoacan that she's from, it's called La Luz. And so that's where that came from. That's pretty cool. That. Yeah. Oh, so there's like also a deeper meaning there yes yeah that's so sweet i love how um, you always post your wife and stuff um which brings me to (laughs) um you know how you said you started your instagram or your social media platform Mm -hmm. right just like being purely business consulting uh-huh. Now it's like every time I open my TikTok, <laughs> you're like dancing, doing all these dancing trends and stuff. Uh-huh. Did you ever think that like you would end up posting viral d- dance videos on social media? No, I, that happened by <laughs> accident, really. Um, I think it was like early on last year when I when I first tried like a, a dance trend. I was like super nervous. I mean, I love to <laughs> dance, but I didn't 
know if I was actually going to put myself out there in front of all these like followers. Um, but my wife was always pushing me. She's like, you love to dance, just do it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when I, I was at a point where I was like overthinking, like how to create my content, I feel like every content creator gets through like creative blocks, right? Oh yeah, and so, definitely. And I was thinking, I was like, well, if it comes natural to me, let me just try it out. And so I tried it out and um, some dance videos like just took off. And ever since I started like my TikTok account as, as well, I started doing dances on there. And I think that spread out more quickly because just because of the algorithm and how different that is from Instagram. Right. Yeah, because I remember when you joined TikTok, of course, I stalk all the Latino creators and I'm like, uh-huh. okay, cool. Like you got TikTok. And then I saw you posting all these dance videos, right? And like you notice when they're viral. And I mm. saw your account like grow so quickly. Yeah. So I was like, Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was that was cool. <laughs> that was an experience. Um, it's always cool to um, to see all those notifications come in, right? You know the dopamine hits when you see all those followers coming in. But um... I know it's horrible though when like <laughs> that happens, and then you keep posting, and it's like, wait, what happens? <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a trap, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, like, on TikTok, people just comment such weird things sometimes. On Fabio's TikTok videos of him dancing, people will be like, wait, do it again. I was vacuuming the ceiling. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, like, strange <laughs> comments. It's probably, like, a TikTok thing. Like, Yeah, know, yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. A lot of people can be very supportive, and a lot of people can be... <laughs> a bunch of haters but I'm, I'm glad that I can incorporate like my passion for dance into uh into that so it's great yeah no I love that I I mean I think you're like doing such great things but I also notice how you're doing a lot right I think mm-hmm. um with Benya Consulting first hub having the scholarship and getting all of that set up um you know also having your personal life and everything so mm-hmm. I often struggle with trying to give everyone and everything my quality time. And I sometimes end up spreading myself too thin. How do you mm-hmm. make sure that you don't lose sight of this mission that you have, even when it's hard to manage everything you have going on? Well, it, it definitely take, it took some time to really learn how to manage it all. Um, I guess you learn from like mistakes and um and time itself but usually like when I try to prioritize like my personal life and school and work and creating content um I try my best to like be successful in all three um but usually most of the time I'm only successful in two and one of them I seem to fail and usually it just like it 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 bounces around because sometimes like I can fall really behind with my school, which is like what happened to me last spring quarter. I was mm-hmm. just I was like ready to be done with my classes. And <laughs> my my grades showed, you know, I didn't I wasn't able to like maintain my four point then. Um, oh my god, this was for your MBA, right? Yeah, it's for my MBA, right. and um and so usually something usually uh takes the hit. But um, if there's anything I learned, it's like learning how much I can really take on and being realistic with myself. Um, a lot of a lot of the times, like when I create content, too, I have like these ideas that sure sound great in my head, but I don't always account for like the time or the resources that I that I put into it. And so I can really fail in time management in that sense. So I really try my best to 
do stuff that works like with my day-to-day schedule, creating content around them. Because when I first started like Instagram, I would waste an entire weekend on one simple video, which was totally not the way to go about creating a content. But you learn. (laughs) I think I also, when I started, well, it was during the pandemic too, sort of, right? Like 2021. Mm -hmm. So I had so much more time to devote to like content creation and stuff Mm -hmm. and and, like my job and everything without really like uh, letting anything quote unquote fail. Right. Yeah. But then I feel like once social stuff started again, Mm -hmm. it just got so much harder. And then I just started taking on all these other like things and projects and so I, yeah, I feel like that's my biggest downfall, right? Like I always think that I'm Superman and like want to do all these things, but I'm like, oh shit, I don't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> or it, energy kinda... sometimes, like sometimes I have time, but I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do that <laughs> right now. Yeah, it's, it's tough to do it all, you know, mm-hmm. you got to do with what works because if you try to do everything all at once. Um, or you push your body to like the limits then you're gonna get burnt out and that's not fun definitely so your social media content is like a combination right of like Mm -hmm. everything that you're doing with your business and then your dancing videos but you also share a lot about your experience as a first generation college graduate and just as a latino man in general and Mm -hmm. i think it's amazing that you together with a few other folks that I've seen are really making an effort to reshape that narrative of what it means to be a Latino male. So Mm -hmm. you often talk about machismo and all the cultural norms and expectations that we grow up with coming Mm -hmm. from Latinx families, right? So Mm -hmm. Mexican families in our case. So do you ever get, because I know you have like a pretty um, engaging audience. Do you ever get negative feedback from this content? And do any of your family members watch this content? And how like <laughs> how do they feel about it? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's definitely <laughs> a gray area. Like <laughs> I do get a lot of um, positive and negative feedback time to time, mm-hmm. um, and. I mean, in terms of, like, my family, like, my parents aren't on social media, so they don't see. Uh, my brothers, they do follow me on my social media, so they see it from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they've been pretty supportive, you know, like, they'll, they'll, they'll engage with my content, so that's cool. But I think where I noticed it really is, like, the my peers or classmates or quote-unquote friends <laughs> from school, um, where I tend to see, like, a lot of... Uh, some differences you know a lot of first gens they consider themselves to be like the black sheep of their family growing up um well growing up i was like the black sheep like amongst like my my groups of like male friends just because i saw things differently i thought about things differently um i felt like i didn't always fit in and so that was really hard i had a lot of like emotions and experiences bottled up and I found that, you know, through this platform, I was able to start shedding light on those things that I experienced. And um, it's it's been really nice because a lot of people comment or they DM me saying they can relate. They've had similar things happen to them. Um, and then, like, obviously, you know, as a creator, when a lot of vid- when videos get like a lot of engagement, you know, maybe it'll start showing up on the explore page. 
mm-hmm. um, or the for you page on Instagram or TikTok, and then you start getting like a mass audience looking at your video. And then that's when you start to see like the trolls, the, the yeah, everyone comments. has something to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the the threats even um, threats. Just a lot of <laughs> just a lot of really <laughs> mean things because um, people just don't agree. People have different ideas of what being masculine is. And mm-hmm. um, last week I shared a video about um, you know toxic masculinity, and somebody DM me sharing that video to my dm and literally putting in all caps you're gay and i was like what <laughs> like this oh, is like the I, fact I, that those people still exist like i what? know it's it's really um it's really frustrating because they they follow the the community and i'm like well if you're really a, a follower of the community then you would kind of like you know stand in solidarity with what i'm saying and um it's really disappointing to see though that there are still people Obviously, there are still going to be people like that, but I feel like as a, as a creator with a platform and now with the following that I have, I feel like it's my responsibility to to speak up on these things because if no one will, then things won't change over time. And I, I tend to focus more on just like the positive comments and DMs. Right. Do you ever go back to Mexico? Because that made me think of, obviously, like I don't really post... Um, obviously right like i don't really post mm-hmm. stuff about machismo or anything like oh, yeah. that but when i do go back to mexico and visit i realize the the big like disconnect uh-huh. in terms of understanding and being more politically correct you would call it like because over there like the way we joke around has always been like roasting making fun of each other and shit yeah. right and like and the cultural jokes are like insane Mm-hmm. so my siblings and I considering ourselves like these woke <laughs> young mm-hmm. people we go visit and our own family will sometimes say something like make comments or something that we're like whoa like that's not cool oh you shouldn't say that you should use this term or whatever but mm-hmm. they're very like not receptive to it yeah it's, it's um there's a there's a big cultural difference obviously being in a like in a different country like in mexico Mm -hmm. Um, the last time i went it it was before i had started the community but thinking about it now obviously um people were just raised differently there's a whole different generation Mm -hmm. um different generation ago um i feel like a lot of my family is starting to be exposed to things on the internet because they're getting like their facebook pages now like all the tias and tios and their comadres um but when you think about it, there's definitely a lot of machismo, there's a lot of colorism, racism, um, and it's hard to, you know, speak on those things and try to educate, like, family members or other conocidos that you you don't really know, and so that's, uh, that's an area that I haven't really been able to really share about how I feel on certain topics, <laughs> maybe one day. It's definitely like your family sometimes that it's like the hardest to exactly try to mold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. It's it's definitely hard, and I know like what you're doing on social media is not easy. So props to you. Thank you. Um, but with the episode coming to an end, I would like for you to share what would be one thing that you would change if you could go back ten years and why. Um, so it's crazy because I've been reflecting a lot of these last 10 years, Mm -hmm. um, 10 years ago was like when I first started my college journey, um, you know, I finished my high school, 
degree and I started college in September of 2012. But, you know, thinking about it now, I don't think there's anything that I would have changed because it led me to where I'm at now. Um, There are things I could have done differently and I'm sure I would have gone a different route. Like if I had, you know, gotten my ducks in a row, at least in corporate America, um, (laughs) I probably could have gone into the business school and joined a big four uh, company, but um, I'm glad I didn't. Um, If there's anything else that I would have done, I probably would have challenged myself more and applied to other colleges, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to some Ivy League schools. Not that I thought I had like a great chance, but maybe I had a fair chance. And so I always have that feeling, man, I should have done that. Why didn't you? um, A couple of reasons. One was just like, or Florida <laughs> because I, <had> <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> yeah I was already in my dream school and then the second was the money that came with the application fees um, I was in a gear up program I'm, I'm sure they could have covered the costs but um, I guess I was just too I, I, I was too lazy <laughs> to fill all that paperwork out um, but I think I deep down I, I my mind was set on already going to my dream school in Seattle mm-hmm. and so um, it all worked out. Do you think that everyone needs to go to college to be successful? I don't think so because, um, you know, I was able to tap into my career because of uh, my internship, which I got from networking. And so if you know how to network, um, you could probably get to anywhere in life, really, right? Um, what I'm learning now exactly. is, like, you know, being a content creator, networking with other creators, you're exposed to more opportunities more more creator programs more accelerators um, which is like super fascinating it's stuff that I really like learning like learning more about right now Um, but you know turning it back to college um, I do think though that it will provide more opportunities than if you did not go to college Um, because some yeah some jobs or industries will require a bachelor's degree in a specific specific field um and so, or it could also be harder to move up in a, in a, in a career if you don't have the, the title. And that's the, really the reason why I, preside, that, why I decided to pursue my MBA, um, which is like, if I were to, you know, stay in this role, I know I could at least move up to like a, a C-suite executive role or something. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I honestly, like, always think about this question because I was one of those people that took on like a lot of student loan debt to go to mm-hmm. college, um, mainly because I chose to move to New York City and I was like, I want to graduate in New York City and blah, blah, blah. So like I took on so much student loan debt to be able to like live comfortably in New York City, which is so expensive. Yeah. And my dad thought I was so dumb and he was like, you know, he's kind of one of those people that's like, you're the one that decided to move so far away to like the most expensive city. So (laughs) you're going to pay back your loans. Yeah. And so I always think about it because I feel like now that I kind of am like an aspiring um, corporate quitter. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I definitely think that it was a big part of my experience and what led me to where I'm at now. Like without that, I probably wouldn't you know mm-hmm. have the life that I have or like the platform or whatever mm-hmm. um but I do think about like, whether I could have been smarter about it because right now I just 
it's like such a big weight on my shoulders that I constantly feel like those loans are what hold me back. And I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely tough, especially like if you're if you're going out to if you're going out of state or something mm-hmm. or if you choose to do grad school, those loans can really just pile up and then the interest that comes with that it's it's not easy you know but it's a, it's an investment though right that we're we're putting in so hopefully it pays off one day for all of us <laughs> yeah i know definitely did That's you also thing. have to did you also have to take out loans for college yeah definitely i did um i did qualify for like a scholarship and a, uh, i think a couple grants um Thankfully, the, the school that I went to, because I qualified with all these things because of, like, my, my background info, I also mm-hmm. um, qualified for, like, a tuition waiver, which was huge. That was, like, the big difference of uh, me going to that school. But I still took out additional loans for, like, you know, living expenses because mm-hmm. living in any city is not cheap. And so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, like, all sad just thinking about it. Um. <laughs> Okay, so with everything that you have going on, if you had to take a wild guess, where do you see yourself 10 years from now, both personally and professionally? Man, that's that's a tough one because um, right now I feel like my wife and I are still kind of like in a position where things are not permanent. Um, mm-hmm. She's still like applying to medical school. And so that can take us literally anywhere in the country like location wise um but other from that personally i don't know i mean we 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 always talk about like traveling and we, we do like to travel a lot throughout the year but i don't know if you know one day we'll decide to move in a completely different state or even country whether we'll have <gasps> family or have more dogs or something but yeah i mean who knows uh professionally that's a good question too because um, <laughs> I don't know the exact answer to that. I'm assuming that hopefully it's for a good company that you know obviously pays well, decent benefits, and has good perks. Um, but I'd like to at least dedicate a few years to this new path of like content creation and see what can come from that. Yeah, for sure. I love that you mentioned. Um like the whole networking thing, right? It's mm-hmm. insane how many opportunities you can get just from like knowing someone. Like I mm-hmm. do think that who you know matters more than I mean, obviously educa- your educational background matters, but if you don't know the right people, then it's so much harder and to get far in places, I think. Yeah, it it really is. And so um I guess that's like one of the importances of like being active, right? And just shooting any shot and see what comes from it yeah even though um (laughs) rejection hurts the amount of times that i've been ghosted by like recruiters or brands (laughs) Mm -hmm. like um i just i just want to i'm curious right because um like i'm also like trying to start my own thing and stuff for a first hub and um you know everything you're doing with the scholarship and stuff is it only you and your wife or are there other people involved in the process that are helping you or like do you have a team do you see yourself um having this grow into something that you know where you would would potentially like add people to the project 
Yeah, that's a good question. With first hub, um, that is me and my wife, um, because it started out small, and so mm -hmm. we felt like it was manageable. But um, if if I were to like promote it and like just advertise it everywhere, there's like no way that we could keep up with all those applications coming in. Yeah. And so we're we're trying to build a, a sustainable strategy for that. Uh, for the scholarship, um, it, we actually do have a scholarship committee um, of about like four or five individuals. Um, and we did that for a number of reasons. One, it provides like the, the credibility, the structure um, to like the format of our scholarship. Because yeah. if it was just me reviewing scholarships, that'd be kind of <laughs> not professional. It'd be, you know, there'd be bias. And um, that's one of the things of having a committee would eliminate that. Um, right. But last year, the way we did it was we, we narrowed it down to like a top 15 and then a top 10. And then we gave like another top to like all the committee members. They all reviewed all the applications and we had like a like an actual rubric. And so like it was very uh -huh. structured in the way that we did it. And um, for sure, moving forward, that is how we will do our scholarship. How did you go about finding this committee? Um, so with that, thankfully, <laughs> I'm um, just like taking your brain right now. <laughs> no, you're good. That's totally fine. I mean, people people ask like when we have like our um, our first have all hands meetings or like I usually get emails too about like from students, just, they're just genuinely curious about how it all works. And I think it's important to be transparent. Yeah. Um, we, we, my wife, she worked in, in the recruiting office at the university that we went to. And I guess we both had a lot of mutual friends that worked in education and like that, that entire like um, career field. And so the people that we did have on the committee, they do have like leadership positions for uh other scholarship programs like here um, in Washington state. Um, and so we, we try to have people that will have that authority in that space, you know? Um, Cause if right. I just have like, I don't know, my young cousin <laughs> reviewing scholarship applications, <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> no. Yeah. It makes sense. That's, that's interesting. Um, so Fabio, uh, if anybody wanted to connect with you or follow you to watch your dance moves where can they find you on linkedin tiktok instagram um yeah so good question i am on linkedin um just fabio pena of course um instagram it it my my handle is pena.consulting and my tiktok handle is just pena consulting um and so it's pretty easy to find mm -hmm. um, that's if not, it. they can just go to my following and find you. Yeah, it, it all works out. And so, um, yeah. And then, of course, like if anybody actually has questions about like our scholarship or about our mentorship program, they can always visit our website, too, which has all that info at uh, com. And so that's all spelled out. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I always try to share like the scholarship stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's it's so great and people should definitely reach out and just pick your brain as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Thank you. I will also put your um, social media handles and LinkedIn on the bio just in case anyone wants to connect with you. But thank you so much for taking the time, you know, to let me pick your brain yeah um and it was great sort of meeting you for the first time <laughs> <laughs> yeah no for sure thanks Sophia. i really appreciate it um 
thanks for considering me to be a guest on your podcast. This has been great. And so I'm looking forward to hearing the whole episode. And uh, yeah, thank you.